Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. You know, this morning, um, I wanted to, uh, to talk on the topic of seeing the God who sees. And I'm particularly going to be speaking out of Genesis chapter 16. Because when we, when we hear the name Hagar, depending on what generation you come from, you either think of that great classic cartoon strip, Hagar the Horrible, about a, uh, a Viking, or you think of, if you're being particularly Christian, you think of the story of Isaac and Ishmael. And usually when we think about Ishmael, we think of villain. That's the kind of the first word that comes to mind. We think of the enemies of Israel. We think of, of, of the age-old Israeli-Arab conflict with Ishmael against Isaac. And, and oftentimes, even in the church, in the way that we talk about Hagar and the way we talk about Ishmael, we don't speak very positively of them. They're either really bad guys or at best, they're just a mistake in the plan of God. Some kind of mistake because of, because of Abram's lack of patience. But can I suggest to you today that God was not taken by surprise at the birth of Ishmael. You know, years earlier, God said to Abram, you shall be the father of many nations. He used the plural and not the singular. Now, I don't know if, and I'm not saying specifically that Ishmael was part of God's plan A. I don't know about that. But what I do know is that there is still a special place in God's heart for Ishmael and for his descendants. You know, as I read the account of uh, the conception and birth of Ishmael in Genesis chapter 16, I start to get a bit of a different perspective on Hagar. She was, a, she was a strong woman. She was a resilient woman. In fact, I actually think that as we, as we look at her life, many of us would be able to identify not just with her and who she is, but also with that particular part of the life journey that she was on at the time of Genesis chapter 16. Because at that time, Hagar went through a very difficult period in her life. Now, at some time or another, we all go through difficult periods in our life. It's just a part of living. And I think as we begin to look at this particular instance in her life, there are lessons that we can learn that can teach us how it is to get out of wilderness experiences, how it is not to get into wilderness experiences in the first place, even though we're going through tough times. And I, I do make a distinction between those two. There's a difference between going through a tough time and going through a wilderness experience. So this morning, I think there are things we can learn from Hagar's experience. And so we're going to look at Genesis chapter 16 and see what insight it provides as we go through the wildernesses of our own life. Now, whether right now you are going through a difficult time or you're on easy street, whether this is a, is a season of, of, of difficulty for you or you know, you're just kind of kicking back, got your feet up, watching church and life is fabulous. Whatever the case, can I encourage you? to listen closely as God reveals through Hagar the way out of the wildernesses that we will all inevitably walk through at some point in time or another. We're going to read from Genesis chapter 16, starting at verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. 
So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms. But now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she's your servant. So deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from? And where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. Verse 11, and the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. I'm going to skip to verse 13. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Bir Laharoi, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. This morning, I want to, I want to talk on the topic of seeing the God who sees. Seeing the God who sees. See, if you, if you read through this passage, you, you can't help but notice that Hagar has gone through a harrowing experience and she has ended up literally in the middle of nowhere. She is literally in the middle of a wilderness. And as you read this account, you can't help but have compassion for Hagar. I mean, it was, it was all bad from the very beginning. Hagar was an Egyptian servant. She wasn't a woman of standing. She had no status. She, had, she wasn't a woman of means. She, she, was, she was a foreigner in Abram's household. And then, out of the blue, one day as she's, as she's off to the side, washing her dishes, doing her duties, her mistress, Sarai, grabs her by the arm and, and leads her out of that place and takes her to Abram's tent, puts her inside the tent. And there, this crusty, Old 86-year-old, the Bible says, who was as good as dead. This 86-year-old man looks at her and says, well, take off your clothes. We're married and you're having my wife's baby. Whoa, my goodness. Hagar had not instigated any of this. Hagar had no say in any of it. She finds herself in an impossible situation that was completely foisted upon her and she has zero control over. No control over it whatsoever. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you have no control over the circumstance that is happening around you? Have you ever found yourself in a place where you feel powerless to bring change to the circumstance you find yourself in? 
You feel powerless to bring a shift to what it is that's occurring in your life. You have no control. You feel like your destiny is completely in the hands of another person and you're not 100% sure of their motivations, whether they really have your interests at heart or not. This is where Hagar was at. This was not a great time in Hagar's life. But at this point in time, Hagar was not in the wilderness. She was in a tough spot. There's no doubting that. But she was not in the wilderness. And the key to her venturing into the wilderness actually starts in verse 4. Because in verse 4, we see this sudden shift in Hagar's attitude. It's, It's as though she felt like, well, she holds all the aces now. She's thinking to herself, well, I'm about to give Abram a child. This surely will lift me from mere servant girl to esteemed wife in this household. In fact, if I'm the one bringing the child, then surely this will lift me even above my mistress, Sarai. How honoured will I be? I'm the one who's providing the heir. I'm the one who's the mother of this child. And so Sarai finds that the tables have turned. At least she thinks they have. And so now she goes to press her advantage and treats her mistress with contempt. (laughs) You know, the saying goes, the truest test of a person's character is not how they handle adversity. It's how they handle success. It's not how they handle adversity. It's how they handle success. All too often, We think it's the circumstance we find ourselves in that drives us into a wilderness. But but that's usually not the case. All too often, it's actually our response to those circumstances that determines whether we step into wilderness or not. When you find yourself in a place where you are out of control, when you have no control over what it is, the decisions that are being made, the the things that are happening, the, the, the people around you, you have no control. How do you respond in that situation? But can I say equally as importantly, when you find yourself in a position of power, how do you respond in that situation? Do you use that power for good? Do you use that power for your own benefit? Do you use that power for evil? Like like the wife who's figured out that by withholding affection, she can control her husband. Or the husband that's cottoned on to the the emotional buttons that he knows he can press in order to manipulate or bully his children or his his wife. Or maybe that worker, that worker who's a a good worker, who's a hard worker, who's curried favour with her employer, but uses that favour in such a way, plays politics, says certain things about certain people at certain times, just enough to keep everybody else down and make sure I maintain my position of favour. Sometimes, rather than looking at situational change, we need to be looking at an attitudinal change within ourselves. Sometimes it's, it's those attitudes, it's those, those behaviours, it's those responses that cause us to step into those places of wilderness. Well, we see here in verse 6, Sarai gets pretty ticked with this whole thing. She's not happy about this upstart. And so, so as a result, she complains to Abram. And Abram's response, I just, he's so back, just, just spineless, you know, no backbone. 
His response is, it's not my fault. Look, she's your servant. So deal with her as you see fit. That's his response to Sarai. She's your servant. So deal with her as you see fit. Just think for a moment how Hagar would have felt about that. Whoa, wait a second, wait a second. I'm her servant. Aren't I your wife? Aren't I the mother of your heir? Aren't I the mother of the child, the only heir that you have and are probably ever going to have? Wait a second, I'm her servant. Aren't I a little bit more than just her servant? And so now Hagar feels deserted by the one who was supposed to protect her because her husband has basically thrown her to the wolves. So at this point, Hagar feels worthless in that household, powerless to bring any change, used by her masters, anxious for her future, discarded by her husband, exposed to harsh treatment and unfairly treated by a psycho woman. My goodness. And I thought I was having a bad day. So what does she do? How does she respond to this? Well, she does what we all do. She tries to take control. She tries to take control in a situation where she has no control. And so she responds poorly and tries to take control back of her life, tries to take control back of the situation. How does she do that? She runs away. It's a coping mechanism. It's how it is that we take control of situations. We run away from things. Now, don't misunderstand. She's in a bad place. She's not in the wilderness, but she's, she's in a bad place. She's not being treated fairly at all. And yet running away only succeeds in depositing her in the middle of a wilderness, like out of the frying pan into the fire. Can I... Can I say to your church, you might be going through a tough time in your relationships. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in friendships. Maybe you're going through a difficult time at, at work or school or uni. Or, or, or maybe it's in church life. Or it's a place where you feel powerless. Or maybe you're in a place where you feel out of control. You feel exposed. But can I say to you, how you respond determines whether you end up in the wilderness or not. You might still be in a difficult situation. But how you respond determines whether you end up in a wilderness or not. Some of you, even as you're, as you're watching today, you've responded poorly to difficult circumstances and now you've found yourself in that place of wilderness. Others, you, you, you're in a tough spot right now and you're finding it hard to respond rightly. You want to, but you're finding it hard to respond rightly in the middle of it all. Can I say, if, that's, if, if either of those are you, this morning there is good news. There is good news, and we find it in verse 7, 8, the, the pivot point of this whole passage. Verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. I love this couple of verses. It's just, they're just so powerful. There's so much packed into them. In, in a sentence, God communicates the pattern of how it is that he deals with us. It says the angel of the Lord found Hagar. 
Hagar is in the middle of a wilderness and she's running to Shur. Now, the Hebrew word for Shur means wall. Wall. So God finds Hagar in the middle of a wilderness time just as she's about to hit the wall. He, he finds her in this place where she's about to come to a, a dead end, a, a, a place where there's no way out. She's about to hit the wall. And just as she's about at the end of herself, God takes the time to look for her. God takes the time to seek her out. God takes the time to find her. Church, can I say to you, when you feel like you're getting to the end of yourself, when you feel like you're about to hit the wall, when you feel like you're in that, in that dead-end street, when you feel like you're, you're all alone and, you, and you're in the middle of nowhere, remember, God is still there. God is there and He is seeking you out. He is searching for you. He is actively pursuing you because He loves you. He is for you and He will never leave you alone. When you feel like you're about to hit the wall, church, can I say to you, God is there. It's okay because God is there and He's seeking you out. But the thing I love about this passage is what it is that He says to her. And I love the way God does this. It's just so masterful. He says, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? Mind blown. One sentence. Look at everything he's packed into. I know you're sitting at home right now and you're thinking to yourself, that is unbelievable. I thought the same when I read it. Look at everything that is packed into that sentence. Hagar. He's saying to her, I know you by name. I know who you are. Sarai's servant. He makes sure she knows where she should be, where she belongs. Where have you come from? He's asking her about her past and where are you going? And then quizzing her about her future. Now understand, he's not asking about her past and her future because he doesn't know. He's God. He knows everything. He's not asking because he doesn't know where she came from. He's not asking because because he doesn't know where she's going. He's asking because he wants her to know. That's why he's asking. In exactly the same way, we see this pattern in the Bible. In exactly the same way, he did this to Adam. After Adam sinned, God comes into the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? He didn't ask Adam, where are you? Because he didn't know where Adam was. He asked Adam, where are you? Because Adam didn't know where Adam was. And Adam needed to know where Adam was. And the moment Adam responded, Lord, I'm hiding. At that instant, Adam gets a revelation of where he is. What am I doing? I'm hiding from God. I don't know. What? What? God asks us these questions, not because he doesn't know the answers, but because all too often we don't know the answers and he wants us to know them. And her response to this, where have you come from? Where are you going? I'm just running away from my situation. I I don't know where to, just away. She didn't even realize she was running deeper into the wilderness. She didn't even realize she was about to come to shore. She was about to hit the wall. She didn't even realize that. She was just running. 
It's one of the things I, I love about God. So often he appears to us in the middle of our wilderness. He'll reassure you how he, he knows you. You have a place in his kingdom. He'll reassure you that, that, that he's got a plan for your life. He'll reassure you that he's with you. But then he'll ask you the question, how did you get here? And he'll take it one step further. Where do you think this road was going to take you? Like, where did you think this was going to go? You broke a relationship with that person. Where did you think this was going to end? How did you think this was going to go? And he doesn't ask us those questions for his benefit, but for ours. He asks us those questions for our benefit. Why? Because you will never be able to make it out of a wilderness unless you know you're in it in the first place. It's like, a, it's like one of those X's on the, the big shopping center boards, that, those little ma- those maps, and you've got an X that says, you are here. And you're trying to find Target, and that little X shows you where you are and shows you where Target is. Unless you know where you are, you'll never find your way. Forward motion is impossible without knowing where you are first. And so God comes and asks the question, how did you get here? Where is this going to take you? Because unless we come to the revelation, the understanding, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm in the middle of a wilderness and this is how I got here. Unless we come to that understanding, we'll never be able to make our way out of that wilderness. Then in verse 9, God appears to Hagar and, and tells her to go back to Sarai. Whoa, whoa, wait a second, God. Mean and nasty Sarai, are you for real? Like, I, I, I don't understand. I want you to go back and I want you to respond rightly, submit to her. Whoa, wait a second. She's a nasty piece of meat, God. Like, she's just old and nasty and, and, and not nice. Why on earth would I go back? I thought you loved me. You know me by name. Can't you get me out of this situation? <laughs> How many times have we asked that question? But God's response to us is rarely what we expect or necessarily desire it to be. Why? Because God's priority is different to ours. I hate to burst anybody's bubble, but this is what I've learned in my own life. God is far more concerned with my character than he is with my comfort. He is far more concerned with my character than with my comfort. He is more interested in how you respond in that situation than necessarily he is in the situation itself. Because see, changing situations is nothing for God. It's it's that easy. God can just speak a word and the situation can shift. Changing situations is easy. But changing character, ah, well, see, God's chosen to leave that to us. I don't know if you've noticed in your reading of the Bible, but there is no spiritual gift of character. There is no laying on uh, impartation of character by the laying on of hands. Oh my goodness, if that was the case, the number of people I would have prayed for character for. There is no impartation of character by the laying on of hands. There's no magic wand. There's no silver bullet. it, It doesn't work that way. Character is shown and built both by the way that you respond to the circumstances you face. Don't say you're a man or woman of character and then respond poorly in those circumstances because they contradict each other. So God tells her to go back. But look what happens. In verse 13, it says, Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, You are the God who sees me. She also said, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? She names God El Roy, the God who sees. 
And she gets an understanding that God is the God who sees her situation. That in the midst of a wilderness experience, when she's about to hit the wall, God saw and intervened. Now, not necessarily as she would have liked, but he intervened nonetheless. See, sometimes in the middle of a wilderness, when you're about to hit the wall, it's good to know that God is a God who sees. God is a God who sees where you're at and will intervene in the situation. Yeah, maybe not exactly like I'd expect, but he, he will intervene at some point either way. But verse 9 tells us the purpose of that intervention. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. In other words, respond rightly. And verse 10, then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. Because God intended that through her right attitude, through her proper submission in that situation, he would make her a great nation. And can I say that's, that's God's desire still today, that God wants to build a great nation out of your and my responding rightly. A nation, the Bible says in Hebrews, of kings and priests, the church, the kingdom of God. God desires to build a great kingdom, his kingdom, that sees many people come to him out of us responding rightly to the situations we find ourselves in, out of, us, out of us responding rightly to the call of God, being in the place that we belong, choosing not to run from but to confront the issues that we face. Out of that, out of your right response, God builds something great. The thing about this is that the change in Hagar wasn't because God intervened. It wasn't just the fact that God was the God who sees, which is very comforting. But when you're about to hit the wall, the fact that God is a God who sees sometimes isn't enough. Hagar remarks in verse 13, have I truly seen the one who sees me? In other words, she had a revelation of the God who sees. It's not just about the God who sees, it's about seeing the God who sees. She saw the God who saw her because without that, our life never really changes. Without revelation, nothing shifts. We just trip from one wilderness experience to the next wilderness experience. And for God, that's not good enough. That's not what he desires for your life. That's not what he wants for his church. He didn't just turn up. She saw him. He wasn't just working in the background, working to, to make things happen. She saw him. She had a revelation of a God who is able, who is willing, who wanted to be intimately involved in her life. <laughs> Church, if you want your situation to change, it doesn't just happen because there is a God who sees you or a God who sees your circumstances. He sees everything. It happens because you see the God who sees you. It happens because you get a revelation of God. You get a revelation of who he is in the middle of your circumstance. You get a revelation of what he's trying to do in you and through you in the midst of that tough situation. It's only by a revelation of God, by a choice to respond rightly, by fulfilling our responsibility, by being in the place he's called us to be. It's through these things we see God take our wilderness and turn it into a great nation. He takes our trials and uses them to build the kingdom of God. Church, this is what God wants to do in you and through your place of wilderness. This is what he wants to do in bringing revelation to you. 
He's not just the God who sees. He's the God who reveals. And so it's important that we come to a place where we, we don't just understand that he's around us, but we see the God who sees. You might be in a tough circumstance right now. You might be in that place that feels it's all out of control. You might find yourself in a, in a tough space and you just want to run away. Maybe you know you're running from God where, from where he wants you to be. Maybe you're just running from the issues that are in front of you because they seem so hard to confront. Maybe you feel like you're in that place where you're about to hit the wall. Can I say real change comes by a revelation of God, a revelation of who he is to you and in you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.